Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, this is Greg Braden. Jack Canfield. Marianne Williamson. James M. Prod. Hi, everyone. This is Neil Donald Walsh, and I'm happy to tell you that you're listening to Inner Journey with Greg Friedman. Stick around. Your life could change any minute. Welcome. You are listening to Inner Journey with Greg Friedman on KXFM 1047, broadcast from Laguna Beach, California, all over the world. Y'all know the gig. Sex, relationships, dream interpretation, we talk about it all. We don't tell you what to do, and we don't tell you how to do it. And the reason for that is... It's not our frigging lives. It's your life. So what we do is introduce you to pathways and possibilities. We're not saying we are the light in the way. We are saying there are many different ways. And we're going to introduce you to a myriad of them. And what you do with that is entirely up to you. Because one of the greatest gifts that we have as human beings on this planet is the gift of choice. And all this program is designed to do is to let you know that you are the magic and we just help you realize it. And we'll be back with more Inner Journey right after this. Take me to If you wanna do right 
Hi, this is James Redfield, author of The Celestine Prophecy, and you're listening to Inner Journey with Greg Friedman. Welcome back. Social media is Inner Journey with Greg Friedman, and the website is gregfriedman.com. I have had a phenomenal couple of weeks. Two weeks ago, I was out on the reservation in Arizona, and I got to do ceremony with some people that have welcomed me into their family, and I am blessed to know them, and I'm blessed to be able to do that ceremony. And then following that, I was on some sacred land outside of Asheville, North Carolina. I I could tell you things about dragons and griffins and portals and so, so much more, but what I really want to tell you about is there's an elder that has been touched to be the custodian of that land, to care for that, to allow people and energies and beings to flourish in that environment. And he graciously invited me to participate in so many things. And I learned tons And I've said this in my own way before, but he said it so much better than me. We talk about trying to make this person do that or understand this or realize that. And the bottom line is, why are we doing that? Because it's not about them. If you, and this is what he said so eloquently, If you go to a sporting goods store and expect to get fresh vegetables, it ain't the sporting goods store's fault or responsibility to be selling you vegetables. You need to understand that certain things are available internally and externally. And if it's not available there, no matter how much you try, no matter how much you push, no matter how much you pull, no matter how fabulous you show up as, it don't matter. They ain't selling the veggies. So at the end of the day, you've got to ask yourself, why do I keep going to a sporting goods store when it's not offering me the nourishment that I'm needing, that I'm seeking? And so what is it? that we need to redress within ourselves that's pushing that button, that's acting in that catalyst that says to us, if I'm just, if I just do, if I show up in just enough way, if I'm bright enough and smart enough and wise enough and kind enough or loving enough, instead of just recognizing you are, and you are, that is, and that's all that's necessary. And the more you push, And the more you pull, the more you diminish the other, and the more you walk without recognition of who you are in your beauty and the fact that 
Everything is available right here, right now. And instead of trying to push for it, just be you, boo. And that's all you got to do. And sorry, I did not mean to rhyme that. It just came that way. And we'll be back with our guest tonight, Destin Garrick, and so, so much more, an evolved masculine. We're going to dive into what that is because I can tell you for sure, often that ain't me. And we're going to see what we can do to understand it, to recognize it, to integrate it, and to celebrate it. And we'll be back with more Inner Journey with Greg Friedman right after this. Welcome back. You are listening to Inner Journey with Greg Friedman on KXFM. Our guest tonight is Destin Garrick. Destin has gone through many iterations and many different paths in order to peel away and peel away so that he could provide his later latest offering. His book is called The Evolved Masculine. Be the man the world needs and the one she craves. And that says some. But more than anything, as Destin has evolved, he's had so many different things that have driven him, so many intentions, so many catalysts. And his latest is his family. And to be there for that love, for that lesson, 
the multitude of lessons through that environment has been a driving force in his life. And I just have so much respect, appreciation, and admiration for that. Destin, thank you for that, and thank you coming on Inner Journey this evening. Oh, absolutely my pleasure. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. All right. I'm going to start with the first question that I ask everybody, which is we've had, you know, we've had everybody and their friggin' cousin on the show. We've had authors, we've had artists, we've had shaman, medicine men, people of service in so many different walks of life. To a person, there was a catalyst or a series of catalysts that thrust them on a significant aspect of their journey. What's your story? Well, as you referenced, really a series of catalysts. The, the one that I often start with and I start my book off with is that um, my high school sweetheart was raped on her 15th birthday right before we met. Yeah, I know. A very subtle opening. Yeah. Holy schmoly. You dived right into it. Grabbed, it, it, it. Either pulls you in or pushes you away right, right, off, the, right off the bat and kind of the book continues from there. And, you know, obviously this had a massive impact on her, but it ended up having a massive impact on me as well. We ended up being together for the next few years, and the effects of her rape were ever-present, um, both on a physical and emotional level. On an emotional level, no matter how close we got, there just always seemed to be something that I didn't understand in the way, and these, these, these triggers that would come up um, that... Again, I, I didn't I didn't understand what what they were, where they were coming from, how, what to do about them most of all. And then on a physical level, I have all these distinct memories of my hand being gripped to the point of pain while she's uh, sitting on the bathroom toilet screaming in pain at 2 a.m. from like constant UTIs and bladder infections that were further after effects of this. And, and so what did that do to you as a man in the world, as a young man in the world? Well, I, I think that that last piece is really key, is that, you know, I, I was mm, 16 through 19 in this phase. You know, I, I was on the cusp of manhood, really. Mm-hmm. And I started to take in this message that uh, mm, I can't trust Men. Men, men, men can't be trusted. Men's sexuality, especially, can't be trusted. And, and something about basically, men, masculinity, and men's sexuality were something that I started to look at askance, and with that, started to disconnect from these parts within myself because they didn't seem safe. So, does that mean that you felt you weren't trustworthy? On one level, yeah, I think that's definitely definitely ends up being part of it. So what did that look like? I mean, it's like yeah. easy to say those words, but it's yeah. hard to really comprehend in actuality. Uh, so I started retreating more into what I consider my more like feminine aspects of myself because mm-hmm. um, I didn't have, hold the same type of judgments about that. They, uh, they seem safer. This way I wouldn't become that same kind of a monster that caused so much pain uh, and then when I entered uh, university at NYU, um, somehow something had had a flip switch where I became the, the guy that women would tell their stories to. And I heard countless stories of sexual trauma. And so hitting this again and again, I just I stopped having I, over time. I stopped having male friends 
my, my life started to be filled with women, women as friends, women as roommates, women as a boss, <laughs> plus, uh, plus the girlfriends that I have. So I stopped really getting any influence from other men around me. Mm-hmm. I started being influenced almost entirely by the women around me. And again, like dropping into like, how can I be safer? How can I be safer? And there's an aspect of that that, that provide a lot of beauty. Um, there's certain, like, I have, I have certain depths of my understandings about women that come from this era that um, gave, me a, gave me a doorway in that m- many men do not have. Um, but at the same time, it, it, about 10, year, it, 10 years of this, when I sort of realized something's really off here, something's not working, and I need to do something. And that leads to the next major catalyst. Okay. So let's back that up a yeah, little bit because you're there and you're essentially pooping all over men. Yes. And you're one. Yep. And you're saying yep. they're bad, they're wrong, you're judgmental about yep. them, you're relegating them as the demon, if you would. Yep. The, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that the... Um, Poor relationship, we'll just say, that I had to my own father at the time. Oh, baby, huge, we will get to that, trust me, played, but played, we ain't played, there yet. Played a huge role. Oh, yeah, I get that. So, so again, you put these different pieces together. Yeah, I, <clears throat> um, I, othered, I othered men, and with that, I othered the part of myself that was a man. And in many ways, you could say I became one, one of the girls, so to speak. Yeah, and so... It just reminds me, you know, earlier when we were out there in passing, I meant uh, I made reference to an Akashic Records reader. Yeah. Um, and because of what I do, mm-hmm. I've had dozens of people attempt to do Akashic Records readings with me. Yeah. This one woman, Mary Medeiros, who is phenomenal, who's up in Ojai, California, read me and she talked about the angry dog and the angry dog was me and the angry dog was on a chain and that chain made that dog angrier and that chain was held there because I felt like if I'm going down this path if I'm going to help people if I'm going to teach people if I'm going to work in a spiritual manner then I have to be pristine Mm mm-hmm And through working with Mary on that session, I realized what a big, steaming pile of poop that was and how incredibly contraindicative it was and how what it wound up doing was made that dog angrier. Instead of taking him off the chain, he's going to be much less angry because he's not now being dragged down or oppressed or repressed or suppressed. He's not being told that he's bad or wrong. Yeah. yeah. How'd that show up for you? Or did it? I, where I relate more to what you just shared, it actually came, came later. But I can definitely point to part of my path where I very much identify with that, um, where I, uh, when I particularly started to be extremely service oriented, uh, where I felt the same that I have to, there's this ideal that I have to like be in yeah. order to serve the world the way that I want to serve it, and it, which l- led to just this constant, well, failure because I am imperfect. <laughs> You know, it's one of the things it's that I'll talk about too. all the time, and I'll I'll warn people. 
every time you hold up a shaman or a medicine man or a priest or a psychologist or a psychiatrist or anybody that's in a role of being of service and you hold them up as ideal or you put them on a pedestal, they are absolutely, absolutely guaranteed to fall off that pedestal and often onto you because we are all flawed, effed up humans in process. It, it really does a disservice to those that we pedestal as well. It, it, you know, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't actually serve them. I've been pedestaled by people oh. many times in both the major iterations of my public personas. <laughs> um, and, I mean, the first time around with my erotic rock star era, which I'm sure we'll get to, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I loved it for periods of that. Oh, I loved Did being. You? I loved being the the ways in which I mean, it, 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 people tended to either demonize me or pe- or pedestalize me. You know, oh. I, I was either I was either the devil or I was a god, and you know, I just I I loved it. I loved, you loved it all. that. I loved it. Oh, until I didn't. I, I loved didn't. it until I didn't. <laughs> I mean, people have literally said you're a deity to me and meant uh, that, and people have literally said you're the devil and meant that yep, to me. Yep. I did not enjoy either end of those spectrums <laughs> at all. What made you enjoy that? Um. Especially during the, during that era, again we we jumped a bit, but um, you know I had a seven year chapter of my life that I I was the self appointed erotic rock star. Well, I was appointed by others as well, but and uh, it, you know I, it was an active exploration of both ego and egolessness simultaneously. In that, you know, it, 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 through that period, I was in such a deep dive around my spirituality as well and exploring all these elements of, like, dissolving into the oneness of all that is, uh, finding humility in certain ways. And, you know, all, all these egoless explorations. But at the same time, I, I'm, I, I've always been an extremist. If I'm exploring one end, I went at the same time just as far, if not further, in the other end. And I was exploring my ego. How far can I take it? Instead of shunning this thing, let me know it. Let me know it deeply. Let me know it as fully, uh, as full on as I possibly can. Oh, you want, you know, you want to give me all the adulation? I'll take all the adulation. You want to want to put the spotlight on me? I'll take the spotlight. Give me a microphone. Give me a camera. Give me, like, I, I, I want it all. <laughs> it's so funny because there's so many layers that we'll play with in the, in a second. I'm a Leo, but I'm an introvert Leo. So it's like, put me in the spotlight, turn it on, and I go. Because that's my job. But turn off that spotlight, you're going to find me in the corner. It's just not my thing. It's not the thing that feeds my soul. I've become more like that as I've gotten older. <laughs> yeah. No, I, 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 see, post-erotic rock star, <laughs> I, 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 when I first landed in L.A., I was intent on being everywhere and and everybody knowing me. And then, really? And then I hit a point where it seemed that everywhere I went, people seemed to know me. And I'm like, ah, leave me alone. Oh. <laughs> and I kind of ran away. <laughs> I hate that. And I especially hate that because I'm horrible with remembering names and people necessarily. So people come up and go, Greg. And I'm like, who the heck are you? I got very used to that. Oh, I, I, w- I was never 
good at remembering people, but I, I, I also kind of enjoyed, at the time anyway, I kind of enjoyed the power differential of that, of being known what, is and not What, is it a power differential? Well, it, they're, different pa- they're different power elements, because there's the power, there's this one power imbalance of, yes, I am, I, I, I'm clearly the important one, if you remember who I am, <laughs> and you yeah, know, but, like, I, I, like I, I'm, I, it's easy for me to laugh about all this, because it's in retrospect, okay. um, <laughs> I'm, again, I'm in a very different place in my life now, but, um, <laughs> No ego anymore. Um, okay, let's let's. Do, there's the next thing I want to dive into. What's that word mean to you? Because I think ego? people even denigrate that word. Because you're talking about ego and egoless, and I'm like, oh, I love them both. Talk to me. <laughs> um. So, that the healthy ego to me is the 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 individual, the sense of what makes me me, as opposed to. We are all human. We are all uh, aspects of the divine. All these things that that, that not aspects. We are the we divine. Are the, sorry, <laughs> sorry. No, no, um, no, I'm not asking you to agree. Just telling you my I, perspective. I, I, I will say, I will, I will say yes and. <laughs> but, but, okay. Um, and I mm, ego. So the healthy ego is that which makes me separate from you. That's great. It, it can start to get into a place of uh, imbalance or unhealth, not being healthy anymore, when my sense of self starts to, um, well, one, where any place it creates disconnection between me and you, to me is where the beginning of the dis-ease begins. Right. That's why when you said power imbalance, I was, really? Because... It's the the funny thing that most people don't understand is when you think there's a power imbalance, you ain't the one that's more powerful. Oh they, no no I don't okay I'm happy to have this debate because like <laughs> I, I I'm I'm very familiar with conversations around power. B, you know BDSM is built on on conscious explorations of power and power dynamics. Right, one and, of my many playgrounds. And <laughs> who's the one that's the most in the power seat in that dynamic? Well. If it's truly BDSM and you're not talking about abuse, the, the, the quote-unquote sub, submissive individual, is the one with the power because they can say yes or no at any time. The moment they pull away consent, everything ends or changes, or you're not in a BDSM situation. And you just made the perfect argument for what I said earlier. When the one that thinks they're in the power position isn't, actually. Again? <laughs> I understand your point, but like I said, I think that there's two there's <laughs> two ahead. pieces of, of of power play uh, going on here. One again, like I said, the like um, there's a certain holding of power by uh, <coughs> by being known, but not versus not being known. And but then at the same time, it's like for example, uh, you just read my book, right? And you now know. So much about me, I know next to nothing about you. That puts you. That gives do you, you a feel, significant amount of power. Do you feel that I don't hold sitting right here with me in the yes. studio today? Do you feel less powerful than me? That's <laughs> that. I think we're having uh, a disconnect in regards to like what we mean by and like. The power that I hold is ab- absolute. Like my my power is my power. It's irrespective of you or anybody else. You're talking about your autonomy. 
my power and my autonomy. <laughs> I don't even care if we agree or disagree. I just like that we're thinking. <laughs> I enjoy these conversations. So autonomy is, yes, my ability to be in my yes and my no, my ability to make choices with my life. Any place where that's infringed upon is an infringement on my autonomy, or in this case, you could also say, arguably, an infringement on my power. Um, but I'm not entirely sure that I think of them as the same thing. Like, my my. When I was younger and pre-erotic rock star, uh, the word power to me was like a dirty word. Mm -hmm. uh, again, particularly because of that history that that I share, I think it was part of what I shunned. I didn't, I didn't want so power. So let's go back. Let's go to the source. Yeah. What's power mean to you? Well, I think that is what we're we're discussing. I mean, what's it come down to now? Now, yes. power to me is a is a beautiful thing. If particularly if you can cultivate right relationship with power and to me right relationship to power is largely about power connected to heart and preferably also connected to your place of connection to source and spirituality and all that is. You told when, me what it's connected to. When, <laughs> when, <laughs> when it's disconnected from those things, uh -huh. we can easily, this is how we have a lot of like um, power over the world where people's sense of their power is in relation to my like if my sense of my power is in regards to my power it is dependent on how i hold it over you or what i can get out of you that to me is a very distorted notion of power and one that has been far too prevalent in our societies but there is this other type of power which is sourced from within and quite frankly as i view when you are in that place of power particularly when you're connected to when you're Mm, aware of your connection to mm, the universal lattice, all that is, then how could you how could you ever seek power over others when we are when you are have that deep knowing of there are no others? I I absolutely agree entirely. It's that if anybody that listens to the show hears this so frigging often often. Uh -huh. They go, all right, we know. <laughs> it's like, I get it. It's we are both a drop in the ocean and the ocean itself. Yes. So power isn't about any kind of external dynamic. It's not in comparison to anything or anybody else. It is simply the ability to be. Okay. So <laughs> what, you, what you triggered in me when we first started speaking about about power is the ways in which it is often played with within BDSM type of But scenarios, preceding right? that was about also... Yeah, but I was still thinking about BDSM. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, so within the, those contexts, okay. um, what will happen is two or more, but for simplicity, we'll say two. Uh, it, uh, individuals will, um, will intentionally uh, choose roles of who is holding and responsible of holding power in this way and who is letting go of and and handing over certain kinds of power because as you as you made clear like well where's the power really if somebody can say like no done end scene at any time which really either either party can then who who holds it yes that is true and there is this way of here I surrender fully to you. 
I le- I am letting go. Like take for instance, even coming in into here, stepping into your studio. There's a certain certain way in which I submit to you. I submit. Oh, I am, see, I am in I your domain. Disagree entirely. I am, I am in your dungeon oh, here. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I am in your dungeon here, and, oh, and you are the master. Heck no, you are running the show. Oh, Who, who's no, the one? No. Who's the one? Literally at control, <laughs> like with the controls. Yes, you can and turn me off at any time. <laughs> you, you, who, who's deciding when we go on song break? <laughs> I understand the illustration, and yet I respectfully disagree in that, that it is a dynamic of equality. And I think that I will continue. He's The reason I said I will continue is because I got a great look of horrible skepticism and doubt from him, from Destin, just so you know, not just him. Uh, you come into this dynamic, either in the studio or in a BDSM situation, and it's not about who's more powerful, who's in control. It's what kind of actions and roles are they designating. And to, yes. to, to delineate that or designate that one is greater than the other is, to me, inappropriate and inaccurate. I, I, understand, I, I believe I understand where you're coming from. <laughs> okay. And it isn't about... It isn't... Like in the BDSM thing, it's not necessarily about one be being more powerful. It's about one intentionally choosing to relinquish power in a particular way. But I am choosing to relinquish certain aspects of power in this space. But see, the way I hear you setting it yes. up is you're relinquishing power to the other person. In a way, yes. But ultimately, that other person is just a device yes. for you to relinquish yes. power. And it, <laughs> so the roles are really not so much as in life often. And there's a reason we're going down this road, people. <laughs> it's like the roles aren't so much about the other as much as it is about the self-exploration into who we are in different dynamics and different roles in different places in our lives at different times. Yes. And you, you are shaking your head no and saying yes. No, no, no. I'm fully with you. <laughs> I, am f- I fully agree with that statement. I, I think where, where my, my shaking of head is more everything is like that if we choose to approach it. Yes. All of life, every interaction. Because ultimately, and y'all again, this is going to be new for you guys. Ultimately, the goal is to be hollow boned. What does that mean? The goal is to be such a clean vessel that nothing sticks to the edges, that we allow ourselves to have the universal energy, the God energy, whichever way you want to frame it, be not only flowing through us, but equally I, the same and separate. I'm not sure I understand what you mean. Okay. <laughs> Help me out here. It's again, it goes back to being a drop of the ocean and being the ocean. Yes. It's at some point they are both true, and yet to most eyes it's indiscernible. Mm. And that's the idea of being hollow bone is you are present in this meat suit, and yet you are a vessel for the universal energy. Yes. You are at your core and through your being an expression of love. And most people don't understand that that expression of love isn't about being ideal. Mm. 
it's about being process. Yeah. And that's it. Uh, we can't we we can't be anything but that. We're going to take a short break. And when we come back, I'm going to ask Destin who Greg is. You are listening to Inner Journey with Greg Friedman, and we're here with Destin Garrick. He is the author of The Evolved Masculine, Be the Man the World Needs, and The One She Craves. And we'll be back right after this. Get away. 
gotta go, American woman, yeah. Welcome back. You are listening to Inner Journey with Greg Friedman on KXFM. Broadcast from Laguna Beach, California, all over the world. Website is gregfriedman.com and social media is Inner Journey with Greg Friedman. How did I come up with that? It's crazy. Tonight, we are here with the author of The Evolved Masculine, Destin Garrick. Destin, by the way, y'all, if you didn't listen to the first 40 minutes of this program and you like playful sparring, go back and listen. It's a kick in the pants. You'll have fun because we had fun with it. Who's Greg? I mean, aside from the dude that you're looking at, aside from me, who's Greg? Whoops. Sorry. <laughs> what do you mean? You are me. I am you. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and I'm the walrus, cuckoo cuckoo. Uh, so Greg is the name that I was given at birth. Okay. And he is still very much part of me. I think that there were a number of years there where I disowned Greg quite a bit. And over the past uh, decade, I have been very much reclaiming the younger me, we'll say, uh, whereas now I like to think of myself as more fully integrated. Uh, when I was first doing my, my, my first major transformation from young Greg, who was very much... Uh, nice, you know, nice kid, people pleaser, uh, very uncomfortable with himself as a man, wasn't even comfortable with the word man to describe himself, guy, was, yeah, I'd call myself guy. Mm. Uh, um, uh, and uh, then I, when I went through my first transformation to the erotic rock star, and that's where I really uh, took on the name of Destin Garrick, I, um, I, I, I pushed Greg away. I very much like disconnected from him in my process of finding and creating a new self. And uh, as I say, though, post the seven year erotic rockstar journey, part of what came next and part of what I think was necessary to move into this, the third stage evolved masculine chapter um, was integrating um, all, all those parts. Uh, young Greg, the uh, old people pleaser, who that part still exists within me. I still have a people pleaser in me. I'm mm-hmm. just, uh, it just doesn't rule me the same way that it did for the first half of my life. Now, uh, every now and then, if I'm unconscious, it can rear its head in one way or the other. But um, I, I've learned to temper him. I've learned to get a, a much stronger sense of me, what I, what my desires actually are, and that I, it's okay for me to have my own desires. Uh, I, uh, I, I've learned to have boundaries to know and understand what my boundaries are to be able to communicate and maintain those boundaries all all this realm of things i did not have as young greg and it's interesting i hear you there's so many questions that that brings up sure the way you speak yes about i'm going to circle around in a different way so you and i are similar in a lot of ways shock um including daddy issues and all <laughs> kinds of stuff that we went I through. also had mommy issues. <laughs> Me too, but we're not talking about that at okay. the moment. Yep. All right. Including all the stuff that we went through with our fathers. Mm-hmm. At some point in my own process, 
I thought about changing my name. One is because I checked in and Greg never felt like it resonated with me as my own name. Uh, and there's a lot of reasons for that that are not pertinent to the discussion today. And the other thing is because I just went, yeah, I just, I'm not my father's son is what I told myself. Mm. And I was on the verge of changing it. And I went, no, I have to play the cards that I was dealt. And so I say that as a preface to ask you, do you feel that, do you feel like you pissed all over Greg? Do you feel like you did him a disservice or a diminishment in, in disavowing him? Well, yes. In, in, well, <clears throat> like I said, I no longer disavow Greg. I get by that. By any means. Yeah. Um, I think that I, I, I hold a lot of compassion for my journey at this point. Both the journey of Greg, but also the journey of the erotic rock star. And I get that. But I, what I'm saying is that there's something that sounds judgy about Greg, even today. Mm. And I'm asking because it's like, look, I was a schmuck in a thousand different ways in my path. Mm. Uh, you know, more. Absolutely more. Um, is there a part of you that looks at that and goes, geez, Greg, I'm sorry. Or, mm -hmm. I, you know, let me bring you into this and, you know, let me hold you in as high esteem as I do the erotic rock star. Thank you. I mean, it's, to be honest, hearing you question me on that tells me that there's more for me to do, that there's more for me to do in regards to um, loving him loving that part of myself, that part of my journey more fully, owning it more fully, appreciating it more fully. Um, because you're right, I, uh, I don't know if I've been challenged by it uh, the way that you just did. And I'm like, well, you know, you, there, there's more for me to do there. And please know, it's not meant as a challenge as much as it is a curiosity. Yeah, okay, and, fine. You're giving me a reflection around that. Okay. that I, <laughs> I get that. But see, uh, I, and I'm asking this because... We're not the only guys out there. We're not the only men out there that have gone through this stuff where we feel that there's some aspect of our being that we want to um, maybe bury. I don't even know if that's the right way to express it, but to put behind us and take on this new persona yeah. because we like him better. Well, I, I, I love that we're getting into this because I, I think that what I didn't understand with that first time through, with that first major transformation of self from uh, with the creation of the erotic rockstar, and the first section of my book, The Evolved Masculine, uh, <laughs> is titled Self as Creator. And it, it really lays out how I did a complete transformation of self and uh, like consciously creating uh, who I was going to be in that next major phase of life and to do so with as clear eyes as I could at the time um, and then providing tools that you know you can use to do the same but what I didn't understand at the time oh, no 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 I, I you use that as a throwaway line right now you said something very very important and I want the listeners to hear it okay you wrote this and you were talking about tools, and you said, 
so that they so can, that you can do the same. Yes, listener, so that you can do the same wherever you are in your life. Whatever I mean, I, as you're getting through this, like you're no, not, no. It's I mean, I don't mean journey. to be a smart aleck by this, yeah. but it's really important. You didn't write this just to exercise a demon. No, you wrote this to be of service. Hundred percent, because there are other people that are struggling with the similar things, if not the same things that you have, and you want them to understand, one, they're not alone, and two, you don't have to take this path, but here are some concepts that, if not appropriate for you, may lead you to what's appropriate for you. And that's a very important thing that I don't want to just gloss over. Thank you, yeah. Honestly, writing that book was torturous. (laughs) I found found book writing to be very... Very difficult, and part of it was the way I wrote it. You know, I wrote it in a, in a very personal manner, mm-hmm. um, but it was hard, and I just kept telling myself that if uh, if one person can get what I'm trying to you know transmit through this, and it makes some part of their life easier as a result of having me gone through that torture, then mm-hmm. it's totally worth it. And I mean, for forget just the torture of writing the book. There was the torture of the life experiences that I share <laughs> within the book. And, and again, it's yeah. like it it was a way of me helping create more meaning for myself from those very painful experiences is that like if they can be if me illuminating them in this way can make it, this much easier for somebody else's path, then maybe, you know, maybe it was okay for me to have gone through it if it can be of service in that way. What if it couldn't have been of service? Is it still okay for you to have gone through it? Yeah, I guess so. But the truth is, is I already, I, I've already gotten enough feedback from the world at this point to know it already has. <laughs> I get it, but we're talking about separate things. Yes, we are. Because there's an aspect of this book that I want to dive into in the next yeah. hour that you're touching on, yeah. which is, is it okay yeah. for this to be a gift to you? Having written it, having just been for me. Uh, it's very difficult with the way in which I I I think about my life. Um, you're I, I understand where you're getting at, and people pleaser. <laughs> the gift. I mean, many ways. Yes, you're speaking. You're speaking to the gift of the people pleaser. This is the thing. Like every every one of our best traits is our worst traits. Every one of our worst traits carries some of the best in it. You know. Right. And yeah, I I live my life in service. Is that is that not just a different expression of that that people pleaser? Well, it depends. There's a shadow and a light to that, and there's a there's a balanced expression of that, and there's an imbalanced expression of that. Exactly, and I like to think that in (laughs) in my maturity, I have moved towards greater, healthier, lighter expression. Right, and that's why I'm asking you. It's well, first of all, we were talking about. I didn't answer your question I know. from five minutes ago. Yet. I know. <laughs> and we're not going to be able to get it before we're out of time, but we're going to, it's a more circle around to it. Did, you know, was this a disservice taking on disavowing Greg? That, okay, that's the question. So initially, I, I, what I didn't understand at the time is that, yes, it was. And, and with that transformation, I thought I could just disconnect, just bury it, just no, I'm going to be this person now. Right. And in what happens is you can think that you're burying something, 
But when if you're not actually really dealing with the things, not really confronting and doing the 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 deep healing work that's that is about feeling the difficult feelings, that is about processing and moving through those difficult feelings, that is about finding some form of resolution in these feelings, which all that is very different from burying or disconnecting or disavowing. So initially, and- I did more dis- disavowing, and so those buried things would find their ways out and often in the most inopportune times and yep. inopportune ways. Yeah. And it's really important, and I'm not bringing this up just to put a Klieg light on you, a spotlight on you. I'm bringing this up like that. because, whole other story, I'm bringing this up because there's other people out there. And I went through my own version of that. You went through your version of that, where you just look at some aspect of yourself. You want to bury it. You want to kill it. You want to, you want to suppress it. You want to pretend it was never there or never will be there again and I'm here to tell you, you cannot. Mm-hmm. That the more you fight against something, the more you empower it, the more you tell it that it has a reason to be. What you resist persists. Louder, please. <laughs> what you resist persists. Exactly the point. Now, you have this book, and where can people find the evolved masculine? Well, the big Amazon is the easiest. And then, of course, uh, like Barnes and Nobles and try your favorite bookstore. Uh, I went through the process so you can get however you want. Paperback, hardcover, Kindle, Audible. How, what works for you? All right. And then we're going to talk about something else in the next hour as well as this book. You have a really cool event coming up this summer. This summer in Japan. It, in Japan. What is that? Oh, I like to call them spiritual, sexual, transformational coaching adventures. <laughs> that is a great place to leave that. And people want to find out more about the book or more about that adventure. How are they going to go about doing that? EvolvedMasculine.com or find me on your favorite social media platform. EvolvedMasculine.com. We are here with Destin Garrick. You are listening to Inner Journey with Greg Friedman. And we'll see you after the top of the hour.
KXRN LP. Laguna Niguel, Laguna, Laguna Beach. Beach. Member supported KXFM on 104.7. KXFMRadio.org. This disclaimer is a statement notifying listening audiences that any opinions expressed on our shows are not representative of Laguna Radio Inc., its management, or its board of directors. My name is Greg Friedman. I am a modern version of those that have existed in every culture. I am a guy. For years, I have taken people all over the world to work with indigenous elders in exotic locations only to show you that you are the magic and we just help you realize it it can be terrifying to look at our fears and sometimes even more so to look at our strengths i take you out into the wild into the unknown for an inner journey welcome back you are listening to inner journey with greg friedman on KXFM. Social media is Inner Journey with Greg Friedman, and the website is gregfriedman.com. We are here this evening with the author of The Evolved Masculine. Greg, right? <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> um, his given name, if you didn't hear it, it's just go back and listen. It's, his given name was Greg, but his present name is Destin Garrick. Welcome back. Uh, yeah, it's been 16 years now as Destin Garrick. All right. Yeah. Let's talk about that other guy that you tend to like a lot more and have a lot more fun with that you brought up a number of times. What do you call him? The erotic rock star. I'm sorry, did you mumble something in our general direction? <laughs> so we said the erotic rock star. Okay. Should I do that again? The erotic rock star. Oh, God, no. Okay. <laughs> Back it up, slow it down. Who the heck is this dude? Why the heck? Where'd this persona come from? Yeah. And tell us a story. Yeah. Uh, well, he's largely... It- in my rearview mirror, though, he, he still, oh, makes, he, still he still makes some appearances. Oh, you, <laughs> you practically worship at his feet the way you talk about him. Oh, that's fun. Okay. So, um, <laughs> uh, I, look, it, let me answer your original question. I, I created the Erotic Rockstar at the end of 06, really as a, a way to actively explore my sexuality, my masculinity, and what it means to be a man in this modern age. And that when I I realized that there was something here for me to explore, I started looking for, okay, so who, who are my role models? Like who are the role models I can look to that have like, who have this part of things figured out. And I felt like I had a really hard time finding what I was looking for. And so I started to be like, okay, well, if I can't, if I'm having this hard of a time finding a role model, what would it be for me to become the role model that I wish that I had? It was kind of the challenge I gave myself and the challenge I like to give to other people who are listening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're, we're, we're living in a time where there is a lack of, uh, of strong, healthy male role models. So be one. Be one if if you're a man or identify as one. What would what would it be for you to take that on to like, to consciously take that on? Because chances are, if you if you consciously take that on, something is going to shift in how you start to show up. And so you're telling me, you said yes. to myself, 
what's a healthy version of a masculine role model? And you said <laughs> erotic, erotic rock star. star. All right, sorry. Let's get back, let's get back a little bit. Sorry, let's rewind. Okay. <laughs> so again, particularly given given my history, again, you listen from the start of the show, that um, uh, where I took on such negative messaging around uh, masculinity and men's sexuality so much this was the part i needed to understand i wanted to figure it out and i lived in san francisco at the time which was the, which was the seat of like burning man culture uh, uh in the yeah again like mid 2000s and uh it, so it, it i lived within a community and culture that celebrated uh, costuming up and trying on personas and different ways of being. So I created this character, this alter ego that I dubbed the erotic rock star to explore. Okay, so how, uh, what would it be for me to wear this on my sleeve, to own my sexuality and to trust in my heart, to, to be like, how can I be healthy but yet fully expressed with my sexuality where it's not something that's like clamped down, but it's also not running reckless and, you know, leaving a trail of wreckage behind me either. So these are the questions that I was in if, the exploration. Yes, of. but if you aren't willing to leave wreckage in your wake, you're not living. Okay. I... I mean, on one level, I understand what you mean, but there, at the same time, there's a way in which you can take what you've just said there and use it as a way to not take any sense of responsibility. No, no, no. I'm not saying that you should go out and intentionally try to leave wreckage in your wake. I'm saying that if you are living, you are not going to be ideal. No, you're and not going to be ideal. And you and you by living are going to create wreckage. I don't care if you were the most pristine macho man or the the most pristine, most effeminate man, whichever way and whatever's in between that spectrum, you are going to as a side effect or as a necessity of living, we are gonna trip and we're gonna fall and there are gonna be people that get become collateral damage as a result. Okay, so I, I appreciate what you're pointing to, which I think largely comes down to a, a, an aspect of self-acceptance and acceptance of the imperfection of our journeys. And I, I, re like, I do really appreciate that. And, and I think <laughs> that that needs to be balanced with we can be... We, we can all, by we, I mean every single person on this friggin' planet can still cultivate a greater conscientiousness, a, 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 well, a greater awareness in how we take responsibility for our actions, holding an awareness of the fact that our being has an effect on those around us. Yes. And to take a responsibility for that effect that we're having on those around I us. I agree and I disagree. Meaning that, yes, we have to be conscious of the effect, but we are responsible for what we do. We are not responsible how it is heard, how it is interpreted, how it is felt. I, again, I agree and I disagree. <laughs> you really like to spar with me, don't you? So, <laughs> so, so uh, 
you know, it, it does allow us to pull out these different nuances of, because it's of important. what are very complicated. Here's, because when you're talking about masculine, yeah. too often I've seen the pendulum swing to the other end where the expectation of the masculine is to be ideal yes. and to never hurt anybody, to never do anything. And it's not what a man wants and it's not what a woman wants. All right, great. So now we've gotten to what this has all been about. <laughs> so, all right. For, first of all, I get it. I understand what you're pointing to because I do think that this that this uh, that this is part of my journey as well. It, it, it is my pendulum did overswing, and then there was trying to understand. Okay, like um, when let's let's discuss like what is being asked of men or hell, we are this far into it and we haven't even spoken like, what is the evolved masculine anyway? This guy <laughs> seems like an appropriate time, no? <laughs> Usually comes up sooner or later. <laughs> I think we've been so, saying it all kinds of different ways, but go for it. So, um, there ha we, we are living in, in very complicated times. And it, they're very un it's a very unusual time in history as far as like, the experience of being a man right now, there are ways in which it is more confusing than it has been in the past. Mm. Are really much more confusing? Yes, because there, you know, our our fathers and particularly our grandfathers, it was there was a very clear roadmap. This is what you are to be. Period. You how how well you follow the roadmap. That's that that's a different story. But this is what it is. There is not a single clear roadmap anymore. Right. Now it's n now in many ways sort of feels like each man each man is on his own to figure it out. Well, <laughs> I think that we went through a period where women went we want you to be more understanding and softer and more more in touch with their feelings and then they got that and said, "Blech, what is this?" <laughs> well, I I think that 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 there has been a learning curve with men and that black what is this part <laughs> of it was part of that learning Did curve that very well I, I, again this is this is sort of like me looking back at younger greg and can i fully embrace him and love him and not judge him and you know and um worship at his feet as much as i do the erotic rock star i can we do the same thing with that you know, 70s, 80s, whatever, uh, sensitive new age guy and, and what have you, that, that it's all been part of the evolutionary journey. There are things that we've had to learn. And just as right now, there are things that we're learning and a place that we have have yet to arrive because we're never going to arrive. We will always be in process. There is no arrival. I, I agree. And at the same time, I think that we are moving towards something. Um, yes. I like to think that what I've been doing with the Evolved Masculine is part of that moving towards something, though I, I'm sure I'm not the arrival. Well, first of all, this, there's the Evolved Masculine, and then there's Destin Garrick. I am not, let's make one thing clear, I am not the Evolved Masculine. The Evolved Masculine in me is an idea. It's a lighthouse. It's something that, that helps me orient myself on my journey. It's a, it, it is an idea that I have cultivated and refined across many years, and with that, I have been walking in its direction in, intentionally over the course of years now. Now, intentionally walking towards something over the course of years, of course, I'm closer to it now than I was before I started that journey and closer to it now than if I didn't hold that lighthouse in, in my sights in the first place.
Hey, but I'm never going to land there. I have a question for you. Yes, sir. What's the evolved masculine? <laughs> hmm. So I've come to think of the evolved masculine as a... Well, there are qualities that, I've, that I ascribe to him. For example, he's grounded. He's solid in himself. He knows who he is. He knows his truth, his desires, his boundaries. He's able to communicate these. He's able to hold them. He's comfortable with himself first and foremost. He's also comfortable with his sexuality. He knows his sexuality. He doesn't diminish it. He doesn't uh, repress it. But it's it's not leading the show either. Call it you know leading him to do all the stupid things, etc. But it's really integrated into the whole of who he is, mind, body, and spirit. He's a creative being. He recognizes that his life is his greatest masterpiece. And that his he he's connected to his power. He owns and claims his power. By this, I mean he uh, he has actualized himself he's stepped into the fullness of who he is and and moves uh continuously in that direction he is connected to his heart he's able to love as well as to receive love knows that he's worthy of love he it speaks his truth he's a man of integrity he cultivates both his intellect as well as his intu intuition and he is connected to source, something larger than himself, and is of service from that place. He has found his, uh, he's found his embracement, whatever that word is, of both his masculine qualities as well as the feminine that exists within himself. He doesn't de demonize either. He's on a path of healing and will forever be. And from that place, he's of service. That to me is, is the evolved masculine. And again, holding each of these points, each of these qualities in my mind, in my heart, over the course of years, they're big parts of me at this point. Does that mean that I never waver from those qualities? Does that mean that I'm, I've never touched some opposite of any one of those things that, that I said? No. I. I'm a very flawed individual and I know each of these ways of being so intimately now so so well because I've decided that they were important to me and I continuously move in their direction see and I know this is nitpicky so Are I'm gonna really actually, you yeah I know I'm <laughs> I'm going to actually apologize ahead of time. Oh, good. Because <laughs> it's it's a fait accompli, mm. the evolved masculine. It doesn't exist. The mm. evolving masculine. It's it that's intentional. It's it's very intentional. Talk to it's me. It's intentional for it to to not exist because again, it is designed to be something to move towards. So, that leads me to really what I find an interesting question, you may or may not. Um, if you had one primary desire for what a man would get out of this book, mm -hmm. what would that be? A, a deeper sense of wholeness in himself. And if you yeah. had one primary desire for what a woman would get out of this book, what would that be? 
a deeper understanding of men. Yeah, and and that, that's what gets reflected back to me a lot by the women who have read my book and and who I who uh, I have heard from is that both that they read it to have a better understanding of men as well as you've read it to. I don't know. I, I think it's been spoken to me as their hope being restored, that there are are men who are doing their work, that there is a that there is an evolution and movement occurring that um, too many women have, quite frankly, um, lost a faith in. And you know, one of my driving factors is to really try to do what I can to heal the schism and the split between men and women. In many ways, like I I like to think of myself as a translator. I have spent an enormous amount of time trying to understand um, men, our hopes, our dreams, our fears, our pains, our wounds, our traumas, what we're wanting, what what keeps us from going there, etc. I've spent an enormous amount of time and energy trying to understand women, understand all that women are and and crave and but or and yes. Are you also devoting that amount of time to understand men in the place in the same way that Greg had certain attributes and also your grandfather had certain attributes? And those values, Mm -hmm. those attributes that (laughs) that was your grandfather, my grandfather in certain ways. Yes. I don't think we could throw the baby out with the bathwater. No, definitely not. So talk about that if you would a little bit. Yeah, sure. So there's a lot of what's sometimes referred to as traditional masculinity that I think is incredible. It's so incredible. And that we, we are very confused about in modern day society and uh, that we are doing a lot of throwing the baby out with the bathwater. And honestly, I think it's causing a lot of problems. Oh yeah. Um, and part of that, the problems occur in, in two sides. One, the men who have thrown away the, the best parts of what we'll call traditional masculinity that, and are disconnected from those parts within themselves. So for, ex- for example, you know what, as a, when my children were born particularly, Oh my God, it's how innate this feels like it, it was or is. My protect and provide instincts shot to the friggin' moon. Shot to the moon. It's just like, uh, it went into overdrive. I started making more money than ever before. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think it's directly connected. And suddenly, my awareness, the way my it's like this vigilance that I hold around mm-hmm. the world, uh, 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 just around my home and my family, uh, the just I don't know the way in which I take care of myself and my and my physical strength, all these things, because I I feel a strong sense of responsibility to protect and take care of and provide for my family. And you know what? No one can convince me that there's something bad, wrong, or toxic about that. And that's so important for us to hear nowadays. And that means that sometimes, whether we want to or not, it's going to go and it's going to peg the dial in a direction that looks Neanderthal, that looks like you're not connected to yourself. But it is, and this is the part that's hard for people to understand— it is an aspect of us being connected to ourselves. If we're not so busy, if we, if we are so busy looking pristine, mm-hmm. 
we are forgetting the beauty, the grace of the mud of who we are. It's like, it's cliche, I know, but I still love it. The most beautiful lotus flower grows out of the dirtiest mud. And we have to include that. To disavow that is a disservice to men, to women, to masculine, to feminine. So this is, the, I feel like we're finally getting into what so much of the rest of this has been like, oh, this is, this is where this is coming from. So, I mean, this gets back to the, this notion of evolved or, or evolving. It's not about you're not that anymore. We're still freaking primates. We are. We're, we're like, we're human beings, but we're also animals. Right. And, and in that same way, like, with our us evolving our masculinity, this is this this to me is about. We have now had decades of listening to varying degrees of ease with it, but listening to what women and the feminine has been saying to us. Sometimes in clear way, sometimes in convoluted way, sometimes nicely, sometimes extremely harshly. But boy, has she been speaking. And and now you know it, it, it's been our opportunity really to be like okay so what is the underlying message here and what and what what do I what do we do with that not simply okay let me completely forget about myself and forget about who I am and forget you know in order to just contort myself into what she individual she or collective she is saying she wants da, da, da. but it's more like here's information let's not just just discount that information oh well you can't tell me what to do let me just throw all that away let, let it in more than anything more than anything the big message is pain a big message of a big message from the collective feminine of pain. Can we really hear and listen that underneath all of the there is pain? Yeah, it's often it's there's pain here, and okay, in really hearing that pain, in really letting that pain in, what can I do? And what can I do? Hers. And your own. Yeah, well, yes. And that's the key. <laughs> and yes. that's a great place for us to take a break. You are listening to Inner Journey with Greg Friedman, and we're here with Destin Garrick. He is the author of The Evolved Masculine, Be the Man the World Needs and the One She Craves. Hi, I'm Bruce Lipton, and you are listening to Inner Journey.
Buckle up and welcome back. You are listening to Inner Journey with Greg Friedman on KXFM. Website is gregfriedman.com and social media is Inner Journey with Greg Friedman. Tonight we are hanging out with the author of The Evolved Masculine, also the facilitator for an amazing journey that we're going to jump into in a little bit to Japan. And we're going to talk about all kinds of different really cool and intriguing aspects of that journey. However, during the break, Dustin said, what? You stopped there? Because we just opened a big can of worms. Dustin, do you mind bringing everybody that wasn't there up to speed, please? <laughs> yeah, I, I well, I, I was just speaking about how we've been in this, we've had 40 plus years of uh, 50 of uh, women really owning their power and their voices like never before. The young women today, their grandmothers can't conceive of how these women are walking through the world. The things that they're saying, the power that they're holding, the way they are with their sexuality. Things have changed drastically. Now, part of it, it has been a, a very often loud communication of what's not working for them anymore if they ever did, drawing a line in the sand, saying no. And I personally believe that as far as our growth and evolution as men, it's, it's been incredibly valuable painful but much of much of valuable growth has its painful element <laughs> personally that's been my experience anyway but that it's an opportunity to really let that pain in for us to really like feel it and be like okay now what do i do with that and too too many men especially younger men have done some version of what I did at 18, 19 years old of like be like, ooh, I don't want to be that. And so they're, they're diminishing uh, certain aspects of their masculinity or sexuality in that process for fear of either becoming that thing or being seen as or being, you know, um, being labeled a creep or worse, criminal. Uh, but again, my journey has shown me that's not the answer. We can't live from that place of fear. We need, we need a path forward, a path forward that's inspiring, that we can aspire towards. And this is what I've hoped uh, to do with my book, The Evolved Masculine, is I do lay out that journey, including the mistakes, the, the mistaken part of, of that path, of those disconnects. And instead, also showing the reclamation of my sexuality, of my masculinity, finding what that healthier expression looks like and how, yes, it can even still be an imperfect path and still a beautiful one and how to form a healthy relationship to your, your sexuality while deepening your understanding of women and the feminine, including the feminine within yourself and how to integrate that with the uh, powerful, potent aspects of your masculinity. And the book, again, is called The Evolved Masculine. And part of that journey is making friends with your sensuality, making friends with your sexuality, and different ways of expressing that, and different ways of coming to know that. Yes. 
And if I understand correctly, and I could be totally wrong, if I understand correctly, this ties into the trip to Japan that you have planning. Is that correct? You could say that. <laughs> well, I don't. So, you know, tell me, I'm a yeah, loony yeah, today. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I I think of this as a spiritual, sexual, transformational adventure. So, uh, which pretty much anything you do with me is <laughs> that I am a highly sexual man and I am a highly spiritual man. So uh, you, you, you want to be exploring those two parts of yourself. I'm a pretty good guy to do that with. Uh, my, my wife is Japanese. Our two children, five and two are, uh, are half Jewish, half Japanese. And they, uh, with that, uh, Japan has become a huge part of my life. Huge part of my life. Aside from the fact that I am, I think today is a 104 day streak on Duolingo Japanese stri- uh, lessons. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, uh, is it a tough language? <laughs> three alphabets. There are three alphabets in Japanese. Anyway, I can have a whole conversation about that. <laughs> uh, Japan is not the easiest country to be a tourist in. It's not. Um, most people are not going to speak to you in English. Most things are not. It's not even that they're not in English. It's all in Japanese script as well. So, you know, it's like if you go to Europe and you don't speak the language, you can be like, oh, you know, let me, I'm at the corner of, let me poorly pronounce this thing in here. When I first went to Japan, I'd be like, yeah, I'm at the corner of squiggly line and squiggly line. Like, I mean, I didn't even, now at least, <laughs> now at least I can pronounce what, what I'm, what I'm looking at. Well, anyway, uh, we spent at least a month a year in Japan. I have come to know Japan in ways um, I, as well as have access to aspects of Japan that most people, most Americans, um, don't. And uh, combine that with you know, kind of my proclivities, uh, it allows me to <laughs> it allows me to take people on a very unique type of a journey. Now, the war- when I when I take people on journeys like this let me just start out by saying this is not for most people it is not for most people everything from the fact that it's a significant investment and also in that like i'll challenge you to your core i i only play in the deep end of the pool on things like this and um that includes again the deep ends of of the big spiritual questions of who who are you really, as well as the the deepest parts of your sexuality and knowing and understanding the parts of you that perhaps you have not fully owned and claimed. And now you're there. talking my language. It's going to the deep end of the pool. Yes. So now I'd be like, oh, I want to go on this trip. What does that mean in this particular application? Well, Japan ha- Japan's kind of has... Both of those parts in, are, are, are very, I don't know, I find very fascinating there. On one hand, Japan does not, is not a religious country at all. You ask people in Japan, nobody, nobody will identify as being religious. And yet, at the same time, there are thousands of shrines mm-hmm. everywhere. And there is a palpable spiritual energy that just permeates everything. So there's that side. And then it also has such a fascinating relationship to sex and sexuality. Certain aspect is a, is a bit of a mirror of America in that it, it has a, a really intense part of repression, mm-hmm. 
uh, which is a big part of American hi- history of sexuality. Mm-hmm. But then, born from that repression, has been this wild, uh, you know, not so talked about sexuality piece. Which, yeah, again, we, Japan and America, are both known for their porn industries. I don't think that's an accident. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, th- there's uh, there's a very vibrant, uh, I guess you'd say underground, but not even all that underground, sexuality-based world and community in Japan. Mm-hmm. Everything from the more fetish end of, of things as well as shibari is the art of, of Japanese rope bondage. And when I, I say the art of, that, that's really the phrasing here. Mm-hmm. They... they approach it the way the Japanese approach pretty much everything. The detail that is put into the art, it is done from a place of devotion. Mm -hmm. And there is something spiritual that can be found in that place. So Shibari is one of the things that that I I have been arranging. I find a Japanese uh, Shibari master that uh, we will be personally trained by. Um, So this thing, there's... I, I've been making my little inroads and finding my people and my, my, my things in various places of Tokyo to give you experiences that you wouldn't have. Open up things. As well as, I want to, we're going to uh, climb Mount Fuji. Cool. Together. Yeah. Uh, so we've got some adventure, we have some, some sex, and we have some, uh, some intentional spirituality. Uh, we'll, we'll touch it all. And I want to know, it, like, it's going to be a, a a bit bespoke in that this is not a large group. I, I want under five men. Uh, and I, I apologize in advance, but this is a men's only trip. Um, intentional in that there is something that it, it's a different experience when it is just men who are gathered. Where yes. we can be or in women. the yes, oh, that we, and that's its own separate and different experience. There's a, something in ourselves that we can connect to in a different way, and particularly if we are exploring. Okay, so what what does it mean to dive into and connect and understand my evolved masculine self? We're going to understand that differently than if we are in a co-ed group. So, if somebody was a novice, yeah. Is this a good group for them? Depends on what you mean by novice. Novice in what sense? Inexperienced in anything but the vanilla. Uh, sexually. Uh, that's okay. That that would be fine. It, it's more of if they're a novice in regards to their spirituality or personal growth, that it probably wouldn't be. I'd like for you to have some foundation. You've got to have some foundation because we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna go. <laughs> and when they go to your website to check this out, yeah. are they going to really be able to get a clearer understanding of the daily journey? Would, by sorry, going to my, how do you spell that? By going to my website, no. No. Um, I don't do this. I, honestly, I wasn't actually planning on speaking about this before coming here. Um, I don't generally market this trip. I do it through personal conversation. Okay. I again, I'm I'm taking less than five men. I get it. And we, if you've been if you've listened to this lengthy show, lengthy show. Yeah, you you <laughs> it, it, it's you know you've you've dived deep with 
you've dug deep with me and you clearly, but, but you're getting some sense of me. You're either drawn into me or you are not. <laughs> and so if you're really feeling that, if you're hearing me speak about this trip and journey to Japan, mm -hmm. it is the listening to the rest of this hour and a half, whatever it's been, that is drawing you in. Send me a message through one of these platforms or Destiny Evolved Masculine or what have no, you. No, 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 When you give out that stuff, you got to slow your booty Destin, down. D-E-S-T-I-N, like Destiny without the Y, Destin at EvolvedMasculine.com. And we'll open that com conversation. This is not open to everyone. It's really about finding that right connection. And I don't do that through the through a mass appeal type of thing. It really is, we will know. We will know. You've said a number of times this isn't for everyone. It's not. I get that. It's not. I get that. <laughs> Who is it for? Yeah. It is, this trip is primarily for the man who has, he's created a significant amount of success in his life. And this part, something around his sexuality, his relationships with women, his sense of his masculinity, something he knows is not quite the way he wants it to be there. It's not quite measuring up to what, what everything else looks and feels like. And he, he needs to raise it up to that same level of extraordinariness. Now, sometimes this has come in from uh, he's recently divorced. Sometimes it's, oh, you know what? I never expected to hit my 40s and still be single. Like, I, I've been living, living the good life and dating and da-da-da-da, but, you know, I thought I'd, I thought I'd have a family by now, but mm -hmm. it's just not happening. What's going on? What do I need to do? Sometimes it's... it's um, Great marriage, da da da, but you know the sex is just not quite. You know, I've had this ish, I've had this challenge or what have you. Maybe my whole freaking life. Yeah, and that comes my way with some regularity. <laughs> um, that this is this is his hidden secret. You know, all powerful in the boardroom, but then like you know, pretty woman or in the bedroom period suddenly feels like an insecure twelve year old boy. And does. Sexual preference play into this at all? Uh, at all? It's a little hard for me to say not at all, but I will say that uh, uh, gay or queer men are very, very welcome. I do have a tendency on my own to uh, to, to speak uh, with a bit of a hetero heteronormative perspective, but I'm not the straightest arrow in the quiver, and <laughs> and I have I have a, a, a rather deep understanding of um, of the queer male experience, and you're very welcome. Okay, so I just want to repeat that back in a slightly different way. Of course, what I had heard you say was predominantly hetero, but open. Yes. Okay. Anything else that you want to tell people about this journey or anything else specifically first about this journey? Yeah, well, you'll be challenged. You'll have fun. It'll get sexy. Uh, some, some part of it will likely be deeply confronting 
uncomfortable, old, emotional stuff will probably come up at some point. I'm saying this because if it scares you away, you should be scared away. Really? <laughs> because, you know, sometimes if it scares me away, it's the thing that I need most. Well, then good. If you know that, then lean in. Then lean in. I, yes, great. Like, be scared and friggin' lean in. Like, that, hell, that's my favorite way of living life. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Again, if you're like, look. The difference physiological, phys- physiologically between terror and excitement is you can't even fit a piece of paper between those two. They're almost exactly the same response in our body. Yes, I get excited. All right, we are to that place. Last question of the evening. Anything you'd feel remiss in if you didn't share with our listeners tonight? I'd say one of the things that I really like to share with men um, and I, I really like for men to get out of my book that improves their relationships and their sex lives and everything really is about attunement. And as some people speak of this as emotional intelligence, but I, I don't know. I, I think that emotional intelligence may even be more of a subset. Um, but attunement to me is that, that, that developing your sensitivity to notice, see, hear, feel in to another person's experience. I am in and the, your own. That is why <laughs> part three of the book is sexual self-mastery and part four of the book is understanding women in the feminine and not the other way around. You gotta connect in with the self first. So you, you develop the attunement within yourself, the noticing and the feeling of, of what is happening within your own body, the communications that your body is giving you, and then you now have a more, ho- uh, more finely tuned instrument to be able to feel into and sense what is happening for the, the person that you're into, the person you're in the bedroom with. And so, again, you will learn all about this in... My book, The Evolved Masculine, Be the Man the World Needs and the One She Craves, it's sexual attunement is a powerful thing. Destin, thank you so much for joining us this evening. And thanks for playing along, man. I mean, a lot of people would just go, is he beating me up or is he playing with me? And you just made it fun. Thank you for that. I think you made it fun, but I enjoyed playing with you. you. (laughs) All right, you guys, you know the gig. So many people work their tushies off behind the scene to put this program on. For them, I am grateful. And I say this every week because it is vitally important for me to share. Most of all, I am grateful for you, the listening audience. This show does not exist without your participation. For that, and so, so much more, I, we, are hugely grateful. You've been listening to Inner Journey with Greg Friedman. Good night. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at penfed.org slash savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. 
Penfield's got great rates for everyone.